0: Hey, folks, this is Dr. Sam, and I'd like to welcome you to another Eye Clarity podcast. And I'm very grateful to be here uh, today. We've got some wonderful questions, and so I think let's just jump right in. This is from Kim, and she's asking about a medical procedure called Lipoflow. Hi, Dr. Byrne. I'm just curious about your opinion on lipoflow for dry eyes complicated by meibomian gland dysfunction. Thank you very much for the question. And this uh, reflects um, a growing problem with dry eye syndrome. And I'm going to start with a study that was published in the Journal of Eye and Contact Lenses. It was a, a research study that was done in 2016. Another term for lipoflow is called thermal pulsation. And it has been advocated for something called MGD, mybomian gland dysfunction. So the meibomian glands are the part of the eyelids that produce the sebaceous part of our tear film and if we have inflammation or congestion in the meibomian glands, this begins to move into something called dry eye syndrome. So in this hospital-based interventional study, 25 patients, they were Asian, they underwent the uh, lipoflow procedure was a single session, and uh, the mean age of the participants was 56, um, and then they took another group, which were about 55 years old, and instead of using uh, Lipoflow, they applied warm compresses twice daily for three months. So this was the the comparison of the study, doing warm compresses for three months versus doing one session of lipoflow. And the results were very interesting because um, the researchers concluded that although the lipoflow thermal pulsation technique did improve patient symptoms, it only modestly increased what we call the tear breakup time. That means how quickly did the tears dry on your eyes? There's a way that you can test that. And what they found was that um, there was only uh, maybe a little bit more improvement in the glandular fun- function of the meibomian glands Using this thermal pulsation technique versus doing the three month uh, warm compresses twice a day, so I thought that was uh, very interesting that the results were uh, not really you know off the charts in terms of doing this procedure. It's definitely getting some traction because lipoflow is an external treatment. Um, it's non-invasive. And this thermal pulsation technique um, has been shown to help certain patients who have mybomian gland dysfunction. However, one of the things you want to uh, check out if you're going to do this procedure is that some people respond better if some of their meibomian glands are open or they're still functioning and of course your doctor can uh, figure that out in terms of you know determining whether or not you uh, qualify for this procedure it's not a procedure that i do Uh, i i believe that lipoflow is more of a symptom break based uh, treatment modality Um, When I talk about dry eye syndrome, I'm talking about many different factors uh, that involve endocrine health, stress, diet, um, toxicity, trauma. Um, If we take, for example, pharmaceuticals, certain pharmaceutical drugs actually can dry our eyes very quickly. And so to know what pharmaceutical drugs you might be taking even things like non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, um, antidepressants, uh, appetite suppressant drugs. Um, anything that starts to dry out your mucous membrane is going to be an issue. And of course, digital device use is another problem. that's um, going to dry your eyes. So I tend to look at the causative factors uh, and you know look at things like Uh, making sure you're getting enough fats and oils in your diet, making sure you're getting enough antioxidants, eating a more plant-based diet, maybe an anti-inflammatory diet. You know, these would be some of the strategies that I would look for in terms of, uh, you know, thinking about doing lipoflow versus maybe um, some of these more natural remedies to treat the causes. But one more note I would make is that if you're going to treat the causative factors it does take time. It's a process. And lipaflow may give you some initial relief, but I don't think it gets to the cause of, of what dry eye syndrome is about. So thank you so much for your question. Okay, next question is from Carolyn, and she's a contact lens wearer, and she's asking, what, what do I recommend in terms of a contact lens solution? Well, this is a a fantastic question because um, with contact lenses, there are several different types of contact lens solutions on the market, and I'm going to run through the list of the ones that I like. The first one is called a multi-purpose solution. This is like an all-in-one where it cleans, it disinfects, it rinses, and it's a place you can store the contacts. And... They're usually with the multipurpose solution, um, although it has some uh components to it, um, it's, it's pretty mild. And it's the kind of solution where you can actually store your contacts overnight. So there's this disinfection process going on. And then the next morning, uh, you can just simply with one solution, you can um, insert the contact lenses and it's very easy. One of the, the downsides of multi-purpose solutions is that some people do complain of allergies or sensitivity to chemicals. So these, these do have uh, that tendency if you've got a, a sensitivity to your eyes. The next type of contact lens solution is called hydrogen peroxide. This is a, a very popular choice among my community, people who were in contact lenses, Because um, the hydrogen peroxide, of course, you can rinse and store the contact lenses, but um, there's more of a a neutralization process going on. And in the neutralization process, um, the eyes actually um, don't have the same level of sensitivity using the hydrogen peroxide. Because this is the big point, it is usually preservative-free, and this is a big this is a big selling point with with my community. Because uh, you know, when there are less preservatives in any kind of uh, ophthalmic solution, there's less chance for um, sensitivity. One of the downsides of hydrogen peroxide is it does take an additional step to to process uh, the contact lenses in terms of cleaning them. The neutralization of hydrogen peroxide solution may seem tedious. And if it's not neutralized um, properly, um, this can cause a little bit of stinging. Uh, So you would want to just rinse your eyes out immediately. So it's it's this way you know you can do the hydrogen peroxide solution you're probably going to have less side effects than the multi-purpose solution but it's going to take more work okay the third type of um, possibility is something called saline solution now saline solution is not an multi, not a multi-purpose contact lens storing and cleaning uh, with the saline solution this is something that you can use in terms of rinsing your contact lenses um, if you're getting some, uh, you know, dirt or other um, other things that that create a, a, an uncomfortable feeling in the contacts. But the simple pH uh, balanced salt water um, can be used in terms of the daily cleaning regimen. But it's never a replacement for disinfected so if you're using saline solution you're going to have to use some type of cleaning solution where this comes in is that you can use a mild multi-purpose contact lens cleaning solution and then use a saline to really rinse off the disinfected part of the multi-purpose and that would be a way to go Um, I would say that overall, if you suffer allergies or sensitivities uh, or you're, you know, really uh, reactive to preservatives, I would say the hydrogen peroxide would be the way to go. And although there can be a little stinging in this and it can be a little cumbersome, cumbersome, it does have a powerful disinfected property. The multipurpose is for people that don't have any problems One size fits all. There's a lot of good companies out there that are putting out multi-purpose. And then in terms of the saline solution, um, you would have to couple that with a disinfected solution. But that would work um, as kind of an intermediary if you don't want to do the hydrogen peroxide. So I hope that helps. Uh, Thank you so much for your question. Okay, I'm going to answer a question from Serpa. And he's asking on behalf of his daughter, uh, who's had a retinal detachment su- surgery where they had to actually insert um, this uh, silicon oil for a detached retina. She's also had dry eyes for years and she wears contact lenses. It's been two months since the surgery. And he wants to know what kind of supplements to take and what to do about this. Okay, I'm gonna start with um, a research study that was published in the American Journal of American Ophthalmology. And uh, this was uh, taking a look at uh, this particular surgery and if you have a retinal detachment using the silicon bubble um, as a way to help the healing. And in this particular study, What uh, researchers found was that um, using this kind of procedure um, can work pretty well with people with high myopia or people who've had ocular injury or physical trauma, Um, but it definitely takes time in terms of healing. Now, this is an allopathic approach to retinal detachment. In another study uh, that was published way back, uh, maybe 20 years ago, in the Journal of Ophthalmology, um, this was another article which took a look at um, complications from this type of surgery. could be things like cataracts, um, vitreous floaters, glaucoma. Um, So... This is a very um, this is a very challenging surgery, especially to get over it. And I would say that um, you know, in running through the list of things that you want to take a look at, you know, with this particular situation where you've got dry eye, you've got a contact lens wear, um, that the thing that you want to do, number one is you want to take a look at your dietary absorption and your inflammatory response in the eyes and in the body. And this is where um, you want to start using eye drops that uh, things like MSM eye drops homeopathic eye drops that can begin to reduce the inflammation, the trauma. Um, so you're working topically to see if you can, you know, reduce some of the the traumatic experience that you have from this surgery. The second thing I would look at would be physical therapy for the eyes, in the area of stress reduction, uh, visual focus, visual coordination. Taking a look at w- was was this gal? Does she have a high myopia? and what what kind of lenses is she using. If there's been trauma, uh, physical eye trauma that induced this situation uh, or not, I would seek out a really great craniosacral therapist so that you can begin to get more movement and fluidity in the bones and the fascia around the head, uh, the skull, the cervical spine. Uh, Craniosacral therapy is a wonderful therapy for just getting more fluid into the eyes uh, in a natural way. Color therapy would also be really great for the eyes, especially the blue, blue blue-green, blue-purple colors, where you look at those colors for 5 to 10 minutes every day. Color therapy is a wonderful way to help heal any kind of surgery, especially retinal surgery. And then in terms of dietary recommendations, you know, we want to take a look at the carotenoids, things like lutein, zeaxanthin, astaxanthin, those particular green leafy vegetables, the rainbow diet uh, where you're doing orange and red, bell peppers, uh, pumpkin, squash, uh, beets, uh, avocados, asparagus, and making sure you're taking a good probiotics, um, maybe going to a functional medicine doctor, making sure your dietary absorption is really good, um, checking off the list that you're not taking any pharmaceutical drugs that could create some inflammation or dryness, looking at the endocrine health, especially adrenals, thyroid. This is also um, a really important piece to it. So this is a this is a difficult surgery, no question. It takes a long time to heal from it. And before you get that silicon oil out of your eyes, we call it a bubble uh, that can take many months. So it's only been two months. It sounds like you're doing okay with it. Uh, so I hope that's helpful. I appreciate the question. Okay, next question. This is from Janie, and she's suffering from uh, a, a situation where when she wakes up in the morning, her eyes are glued shut. Oh, my. And that can be very, very painful. So I wanna go through a few things that um, I would check off the list. Uh, The first would be, are you suffering from some chronic uh, inflammation or um, infection? Um, The big one that comes to mind would be conjunctivitis, which is a swelling of the inner part of the eyelid. And so this could be either a bacterial or viral infection, And, you know, with conjunctivitis, this is a a reflection of our lymphatic health in the eye, our circulation. So, first of all, have you been exposed to any bacteria or viruses? Um, That would be one thing that I would look at. Number two, any allergies. So, you know, with with women, especially looking at uh, eye makeup, mascara, you know the, to really check into what's in those things. if you're using eye makeup, again, I don't know more of the details, but generally speaking, if there's an allergic conjunctivitis, this could be from environmental toxins, fumes, or you know uh, eye mascara. The next would be um, if you wear contact lenses, if it's a dry uh, a dirty contact lens a ripped contact lens. Again, I didn't get that in this particular situation, but um, if you're wearing a contact lens that um, is not, uh, you know, new, definitely it can cause um, some of these symptoms to occur. So with the eyes glued shut, some other things I would look at would be your endocrine health, estrogen levels. There have been studies that show that low levels of estrogen can cause more dry eye, it's linked to more dry eye. Adrenal burnout, adrenal insufficiency can also um, cause this kind of situation. So taking a look at that, any inflammatory response you have going on in the body uh, also would be very, um, uh, something to look at. And uh, I think the compresses would be a really great way to go before bed and in the morning. You can get a tea called Ibrate tea which is a loose tea and you could brew it up and I would do a cold compress um, before bed and maybe another one when you wake up to just get that crustiness out of your eyes I would do MSM eye drops and do a lot of eye massage I would do the end palm hum exercise where you're working with palming um, and sound to open up the circulation and I would get some lymph work done lymph drainage that could also be very helpful So thank you so much for the question. I really appreciate it. So the last question is going to be from Kim. And she writes, Hi, Dr. Byrne. I'm interested in your approach. I've noticed my eyesight is getting more blurry, especially seeing up close. It's also going downhill at a distance. I want to know what foods I can eat to help me turn this situation around. Well, I'm glad you asked that question, Kim, because you know when you have blurred vision that starts to come on, uh, obviously it's it's uh, disorienting because you know we pride our pride ourselves on really clear eyesight. So it's important to go to an eye doctor, get a full exam, get an eye health exam, make sure you know there's no pathology, cataracts, glaucoma, macular degeneration, dry eye, or other other eye diseases so you want to rule that out rule out any neurological problems okay once all that's done then it's probably a functional vision problem meaning it's how you bring your eyes to your world and um, perhaps there's an imbalance in terms of how well your two eyes work together and this is where um, my eye exercise program that really encourages binocular vision better focusing better peripheral vision, depth perception, eye-body, brain um, coordination. These are things that if you start doing physical eye therapy exercises, instead of going to glasses, you can many times reverse this blurred vision. Um, Now, in terms of foods, um, I think some of the best foods include things like asparagus, avocados, um, some of the herbs like basil, and um thyme um peppermint you know some of those uh turmeric root ginger root those are all really great things to add to your smoothie formulas Um, and then your carotenoids so spinach kale broccoli uh, brussels sprouts um, you know your um, your orange and red foods that are bell peppers and um, pumpkins and squash, Bilbe- uh, blueberries are really great. All the berry family uh, have some great components in terms of giving your retina the circulation it needs. Fats and oils are really important. Um, eating more of a plant-based diet is is great where you're doing things where you're not eating processed foods. Um, I don't recommend a lot of gluten, dairy, and of course, sugar is another big issue I haven't really talked a lot about how sugar affects the eyes, but believe me, it does. In fact, you know if your insulin levels insulin levels start spiking, this can cause things like cataracts, glaucoma, uh, macular degeneration so watching your sugar intake, stress, digital device use, pharmaceutical drugs i mean these are all things talking about trauma if you've had any head or neck trauma. This can cause an onset of blurred vision. So there's lots of things that you can do, uh, both in terms of foods, um, your lifestyle, your diet. Um, there's some of my patients that have actually have done cleanses and intermittent fasting, which has helped their eyesight come back to normal. So there's lots of tools out there for you. And you don't have to go down the, the rabbit hole of just you know, getting a prescription and start wearing it because it will uh, make your eyes worse and more dependent on the lenses once you start wearing it. So I hope that's helpful. Kim, thank you so much for the question. And that's our show for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. Keep your questions coming. Remember that um, I'm Facebook Live Wednesdays at six o'clock Mountain Standard Time. That's 5 o'clock Pacific, and 8 o'clock Eastern Time. Okay, until next time, take good care. You're listening to a podcast with Dr. Sam Byrne. To learn more about his seminars and workshops, visit his website, www.drsambyrne.com. The Byrne Method is a trademark signature of Dr. Sam Byrne for his workshops, seminars, books, and DVDs. The information presented in this podcast is in no way intended as a substitute for receiving professional medical care. The design and purpose for this podcast is to provide information for educational purposes only. Dr. Byrne and his guests have no liability or responsibility to any person or entity for loss, damage, injury caused, or allegedly caused through the information, exercises, suggestions, explorations, or written responses presented in this podcast. Dr. Byrne is not a medical authority and his guests are not qualified to diagnose or treat any disease or health problem. This podcast is not a substitute for medical care. Dr. Byrne's information is only his personal opinion. If you have any health problem, please seek medical care for whatever condition you may have.